welcome to That Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing through sharing. I'm Anita, your host, and this week I have a treat for you. Do you know how hard it is to get men to talk about their feelings? Well, finally, I have found another male that is willing to share with us the male perspective on emotions. Darwin Dave runs a successful grief and bereavement podcast titled Dealing With My Grief. He shares that grief isn't something you get over, but something you have to work through. He shares on his podcast how he has been managing his grief and bereavement since the loss of his father. Welcome, Dar. Well, thank you, Anita. Thank Appreciate you it. for coming down to share your story with little old me. <laughs> More than welcome to do so. Thanks so for having me. Let's travel back to the day that your dad died. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Walk me through that day. Sure. Um, myself and my mother would always take my father dinner at the uh, convenience store that they ran. They were entrepreneurs. And approximately 20 minutes after we fed him that evening, the alarm to our store went off. So my mother called the store to find out if everything was okay. My father didn't answer. She hung up, called back again, still got no answer. So we went to the store and upon arriving, we found him laying behind the counter. Uh, from two gunshot wounds, he was lying in a pool of his own blood. So that's where my grief story starts. And recalling that story, does that stir or bring back any type of emotion for you? Um, it used to bring back very, almost like, an, almost like a nightmarish type of thing that, you, that I couldn't escape. Because I always tell people that that particular night sort of runs like a loop in my in my head and it's not something that I can forget, but over time the pain of that lessens. So would you say that time heals all wounds? I wouldn't necessarily say that it heals wounds. I think that's one of those wives tales that people say. The, it, it, time doesn't heal the wounds. All time, at least for me does, is it gave me space and a period where I could adjust to the things that were going to be the quote unquote new normals in my life. Okay. Because also during that time period, well, you mentioned the old wives' tale. And one of the old, other old wives' tales regarding death says that death comes in threes. You've been listening to my podcast, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest with you, that has happened to me twice in my life. Um, my father, believe it or not, I do personally believe was the third in the first set of threes. So the first person, actually he was the second, the first person I lost in my life was my paternal grandfather, or well, my step-grandfather. He died when I was about nine and a half years old, probably about six months before my father died. And my father passed away, and the third person who died was about maybe six to eight months after him, which was an uncle of mine. The second time that happened in my life, it actually wasn't three people, it was four people. Um, the year after, actually the year that I entered college, my grandfather died, excuse me, let me rewind. My grandmother died, my, my paternal grandmother died. A week later, my maternal grandfather died. The same night that he died, my grandmother also lost a sister of hers. And when I came home from spring break, I found that a cousin of mine had also passed away. Wow. So that was four people in a time span of about maybe five months. So there's something to these wives. <clears throat> mm -hmm. 
I, well, I think so, yeah. I think so. Did the additional deaths have any type of impact on you? Because you were hit, I mean, you were hit with your dad, and then you took two more emotional hits. How did that impact you as a 10-year-old? Well. Because what we do is we get back to life very quickly. Right. Well, the loss of my grandfather didn't hurt so much only because I didn't know him very well. So I grew up in St. Louis. My grandparents, my father's parents were in Arkansas. So I would get to see them maybe, maybe a year, or maybe a month out of every year. Okay. And again, I probably, would have, I probably spent maybe a week with him at the most. Um, so I was not very affected by his death. My father's, yeah, very much so. And then my uncle, that sort of bothered me too because I started to realize at that point that I was losing male role models in my life at a very, at a very fast clip. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, looking back on that time period, now that you are um, older, looking back on that time period, would you say that there was something in your life that was significantly impacted or something that you may have missed because your male role models were disappearing so quickly? Well, I was actually affected more by the loss of my grandfather, only because there was really unresolved conflict between the two of us. When my father passed away, the two people that really tried to get close to me in my life and tried to not necessarily take my father's place, but at least give me the life lessons that he would have given me was my grandfather and my uncle. And being 10, and then especially when I needed people in my life during those teen years, I sort of shunned them away only because they weren't, in my mind, the people who should have been giving me the information I was looking for, it should have been my father. And the reason my grandfather's death hurt so much is because it, he became really the person that I leaned on the most when I needed something. But of course, being a kid, that's a one-way street. Don't tell me anything that I don't want to hear. But if I have any questions for you, if I need anything from you, then I'm going to come to you. Don't initiate anything with me. I'll do all the initiating. Well, he was really, really, really adamant about the fact that I should not leave St. Louis to attend college. He was of the mind that my mother already lost her husband and I needed to be the person there to take care of her. And I said, you know, Grandpa, I'm only gonna be gone for four years. As soon as I graduate, I'm coming back home. And I left, and I literally was at Howard's campus for about 10 days when my mother called me and told me that he had passed away. And I was of the mind that, okay, well, things didn't end well for us, but I always thought that I'd have at least until Thanksgiving when I got home and we'd sort of make, make amends. And that really crushed me because we just, I just never got a chance to tell him that I was sorry and we never got a chance to really sort of fix things. How have you worked through that? Well, my mother and my aunts have always told me that he was the type of person who didn't hold any grudges. So he said what he had to say. He allowed me to say what I had to say. But at the end of the day, he understood that that was my decision and he would not have been upset at the, at the choices I made. That helps, but it doesn't really help because 
for me personally, I would have liked to have heard it from him. <laughs> so that's where that stands. And then when <clears throat> your dad passed, as a 10-year-old, you approached your mother and told her that you were now, you guessed that, you know, you were now the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And what did your mother say to you? <laughs> she told me in no uncertain terms that I was a 10-year-old <laughs> and that the only things I needed to be responsible for was my chores and school. So I just needed to get the best grades I could and that she would take care of everything else. Mom and dad in the bud real quick. Didn't yeah, you? she did. She did. <laughs> so. Did you move on from there? Yeah, we, yeah, we did. I did. Um, you know, it's amazing because I always tell people that my father was a Superman in my life. And my mother, if she ever watches this, she was more like the third will in our relationship. She was, what, I was, let's put it this way. Let, let, let me explain, let me explain, let me explain. The woman that gave you. I understand this, but let me, but let, me, let, me, let, me let me explain. Let, let me explain. Let me explain. No, 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 let me explain. My father was everything to me. So whenever he would go to get anything or conduct any business for the store, I was there. I would leave her. I would leave my friends. I didn't care who you were, wherever he was, that's where I wanted to be. So my mother, yeah, I loved and respected her, sure. But growing up in the relationships that I had, she was a person that cooked dinner, and she was a person that made me come in when the streetlights came on. I, and that was, that was, not to say that was the relationship that we had, but that's just the way I looked at it from a 10-year-old standpoint. <laughs> I love her to death. And, and, and one of the things I always say, but getting back to this seriously, one of the things I always say, at least for me, whenever I lose somebody in my life, it seems like something else positive happens. And the thing that happened for me from losing my father is I really created, or we were able to create a very close relationship between my mother and I. I mean, so much so that I leaned on her for, well, for everything. And she was there to provide and give me everything that I needed, not necessarily everything that I wanted, mm -hmm. but she made sure that I had everything that I needed in no uncertain terms. And it, it was, I don't necessarily want to say that it took his death to bring us closer together, but as a result of his death, yeah, we're, we're, we're like this. So. That's good to hear. <laughs> now. I was 10. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving you perspective from a 10-year-old. Now, in dealing with <clears throat> grief and bereavement, can people outrun grief? Or when they get into the busyness of life, I mean, going to a funeral on one day and then getting up and going to work the next, is that positive? You, you can't outrun it. I think that if you think that you're outrunning it, then you're just not dealing with it. Because I spent the four years, the immediate four years after my father died, trying to outrun it. And in trying to outrun it, well, let me go back a little bit. When we talk about the week that my father died, he died on a Monday, his funeral was on a Friday, and it was literally wake up on Monday morning, go back to school, life just goes on. It's just like you just had a long weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. And what nobody told me was how to deal with the loss, the pain, and the hurt from my mother and from my grandparents. Not that they, not that they really said this, but in their minds, it's okay, well, death is a part of life. 
we've dealt with this, and now we have to get on with living. So it wasn't until I was 14 years old and I had nothing to do because my mother's and my grandmother, and again, again back to those old wives' tales, they say that it, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. So their whole thing was just to keep me busy. If it was summer, I was in a camp. If it was during the school year, I was playing basketball, football, baseball, whatever there was, I was just an active person. So one day, and I remember this vividly, when I was 14, I could find no one to play with. For the first time in four years, I literally was alone. And that's when I just, I lost it and I broke down. It's like, I, I've been trying to fill my head so many, with so many other things to keep from dealing with the fact that my dad is gone, that I just have to deal with it. But even then, I know I had to deal with it, but at 14, I still didn't know how. <laughs> so, and that for me came pretty much over the course of, well, the next probably six years or so. It, it was a really slow process for me. Okay, we'll be back in just one second to talk about how you manage and deal with grief and bereavement. <clears throat> what if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true authentic self? It is possible and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage, How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. And we're back with Darren Dave, host of the podcast, Dealing With My Grief. His mama is sitting down at 10 years old to make sure he knew he was not filling his father's footsteps at 10. Now, yes. tell me something. You said that we can't outrun grief. So what is the process? that someone should begin in dealing with the loss of a loved one? Well, you have to, it's gonna take time to deal with the initial loss that you're experiencing. And the one thing that I have to say is that unfortunately, even though you might be surrounded by a lot of people who love you, in my experience, grief is really a solo journey. Even though we may all lose the same person that we're close to, your relationship with that person is different than somebody else's relationship with that person, and your journey in trying to manage that is gonna be different than somebody else's journey. So while you might be able to empathize with someone, you don't know exactly what that person is feeling or what that person is going through. Um, by the same token, if you are someone who is grieving, I think that it really is advantageous and helpful if you can find somebody to talk to. You have to begin to let out your feelings and your emotions and don't let that stuff bottle up and fester inside of you because it, that to me just only makes you bitter. 
triggers. Let's talk about triggers and what <clears throat> triggers negative emotions connected to grief and bereavement. What are some of the triggers that you deal with and how do you manage them? Wow. Um, I have a lot. Uh, my biggest trigger probably to this day is still ham and cheese. Uh, when the alarm at our store went off, I was doing math homework and eating a, a ham and cheese sandwich. And to this day, 40 years later, I will eat a cheese sandwich, I might eat a ham sandwich, but you will never ever see me eat a ham and cheese mm. sandwich, ever. No, not, no. Okay. I, that's, that's, that's the biggest one for me. Um, and, and I love food, and anybody that, 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 that knows me knows that I love food, but ham and cheese, I, I can't do. Um, what do you generally do during that time period? Because, for example, one of the famous ones that we can all relate to is Kanye West. And everybody knows that every November, Kanye West loses it. And all of us in the helping field, in the, in the mental and emotional mm -hmm. health field, know that the, the time period can be a trigger. So is, is that time of year a trigger for you? Yes. Um, I always tell people that the third week of April is sort of like Holy Week for me. So my grandfather's, my, excuse me, my father's birthday is on April the 14th. My confirmation, we were sitting talking uh, pre-show about my confirmation name, but my confirmation was on the 21st of April. My father died on the 24th of April, and my parents' wedding anniversary is the 25th of April. So it's, it's that, that whole week and a half is just really emotional for me. And I've always told myself that even though I can manage Father's Day and the other holidays, that that one 10-day period for me, is gonna be our two-week period for me, is gonna be the one time of year that I give myself just to actually sit back, reflect, and whatever happens, happens emotionally. So how do you handle it? Give me some of the things that have happened in the past that have hit you during that week, and how did you oh, respond? Well, um, usually what happens for me, and I've sort of dealt with my father's birthday, so that is not the big emotional thing for me. The thing for me is the 24th and the 25th, and that's only because, believe it or not, <laughs> to this day, when my parents got married, my father bought a bottle of champagne that my parents were gonna open on their 15th wedding anniversary. And he was killed the day before their 14th wedding anniversary. And my mother and her refrigerator to this day still has a bottle of champagne. And um, she can't open it, she, she can't, she, she can't feel it in her heart to open it, to drink it, to do anything with it. And she doesn't wanna get rid of it, but it's still there. But mainly for me, I deal with it by talking to her because it, there's just something about that day that just brings us closer together. And I know that without saying it, that she feels a special kind of way on those two days. And for me, it's emotional to lose him one day and then to know that they were joined in union the next day, it, yeah, it's, it gets pretty emotional. So I talked to her and we sort of work it out between the two of us. Being that you've gone through so much, <clears throat> have you been able to step in when friends or family members lose loved ones? Because people say crazy things to folks that are going through grief and bereavement. God needed another flower in his garden. 
<laughs> or, or they say stories and right. stuff like, right. um, oh, you know, I know how you feel. Time will pass and it'll get better. Have you been able to step in for some of your friends and family? Yes. Um, and I do that literally whenever somebody passes in our family. Well, I've had friends who have lost family members, or more importantly, I've lost friends that obviously other friends of mine have known. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really two things that need to be said. One is, is that I understand that they've lost someone and that's gonna be a painful experience. I think to try to insert my own grief or my own journey into somebody else's life is a little bit not disingenuous, but to that person is hurtful. Mm -hmm. So. I always tell people, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So instead of coming up to you and say, well, I know, Anita, I know how you feel because I lost my father. It would be better for me to say, I know that you lost one important in your life and I know that you're hurting. And at that point, I may offer to do something for you. So if there are meals that need to be cooked, if the house needs to be cleaned, I'm not very good at either one of those, but, 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 but I can get out and I can put, I can, I can get out and I can push your lawn more. Um, if you know, that type of thing, if, if you need something cleaned up around the house or moved, you know, I can do those types of things. So it's really about helping the person in that time period that they appear to be most vulnerable or that they're down. And the other thing too, is just, as we talked about a little bit earlier, just give people time. Just give people time to deal with whatever it is they're going through and then give them time to find out what the next step is in their own journey. Have you had any of your friends or family cling to you because they know that you <clears throat> have experienced that same loss that they're going through? One, um, I do have a cousin who was living out of state with an aunt of mine and so a similar experience. She was living with my aunt. My aunt went to exercise one day and basically had a heart attack on a treadmill. And my cousin was in school at the time. And essentially that was the only other person that she knew in the state of California. It was just basically the two of them. So we talked for a long time about some of the feelings that she was dealing with, some of the things that she might deal with, and then just some different avenues that she might be able to use to deal with those. So yeah. And I don't necessarily think that people cling to me. I would not necessarily say that. Mm -hmm. I think that I have a specific experience and probably um, a specific outlook that other people may not have. And mm -hmm. if my story resonates with yours, I'm more than willing to help. I don't necessarily think that there is, at least for me, there's not a thing as being too clingy. As long as you're working towards finding out exactly how to deal with whatever it is you're going through. Well, people will try and hew their anger, denial, hurt onto somebody else versus working through it or dealing with it themselves. Well, but that's, for me, that's part of the process. So I always tell people, and I, I've heard you say this on your show before as well, you know, sometimes people don't want to be fixed. They just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. So if what you're expressing to me is the anger and the pain and the hurt, I'm okay with that because that has to be directed towards someone. Yeah. And I don't take it personally. I just take it as you needing to vent and to get some things off of your chest. Because your podcast goes out to millions of people. 
Now you mentioned your cousin. Hundreds. <laughs> well, you Just joking. Less <laughs> I mess with you. Speak those things that are not. Okay. Your podcast goes out to millions of people. Okay. Has anyone ever contacted you from your podcast? Just out of the blue, email or phone, Twitter? Always. Say, hey. Always. Um, I probably average, it's not a lot, I said it always, it's, I probably average two or three emails a month. And that could be from people who are, well, men, women, um, they could be as young as 22, 23. I've heard from a lady who is in her mid-60s. So a lot of people say that what I put out resonates with them, and they're just happy that they're not the only ones dealing with what they're going through. Okay, now, your father was, <clears throat> he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Two gunshots, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that the person had to actually, it was a robbery. Yes, yes. Okay. How do you feel about gun control? <laughs> well, you know what? I think that when these types of things happen, people tend to ask the wrong questions. And as someone who has been a victim of violent crime, or at least my father was, the one thing that I always want to ask is why? What drove someone to want to hurt other people? My personal opinion is I don't necessarily think that guns are bad or evil. I just think that they happen to be a convenient tool. People murder people every day with cars, with alcohol, but we don't try to outlaw cars. We try to keep people who are drinking from driving cars. That doesn't work so well. If you want to try to legislate guns and gun ownership, bad guys are going to always find ways to hurt people. My question would be, why don't we do more to find out why people commit the crimes that they do and try to help them before we get to that point? So I spoke for about a whole half hour this morning about the whole thing in Florida and Parkland. If you look at that young man's story, he lost a whole lot of people in his life before he was 19 years old. But all people want to label that young man is a monster, he's evil, and whatever label you want to put on him. And once you start to label things, I think we get away from the true question of why. Was there any, were there any type of symptoms or signals that he gave out that mentally he wasn't okay? If he was and you saw that, did you say anything? And unfortunately in our society, even if you say anything, depending on what you do or don't do, there's nothing that the law can do to you anyway. So as the village, we can try to look out for people, but then there are certain protections in place, rightfully so, that might keep us from getting people the help that they need to keep from doing these types of things. So to me, it's not, again, it's not necessarily the guns, because even if you look at his backstory, there are people that say, well, you know, he had knives and lunchboxes, and he had a bunch of other things that just weren't right. Mm -hmm. So again, for me, it's the why, and what can we do to look out for each other to keep this type of thing from happening in the future? The process of grief is not linear. It moves like energy. Sometimes you will feel good, sometimes you won't. But you get to decide if it keeps you going in circles. If the pressure of grief has you feeling overwhelmed, please reach out for assistance, reach out for help. You can call the National Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK 
That's 1-800-273-8255. To reach out to Darwin, visit dealingwithmygrief.com. That is dealingwithmygrief.com because sometimes, as he mentioned, you know, sometimes you don't want to be fixed. You just want to be heard. Make the commitment to start your healing journey today. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out that'sanitalive.com for and when to see our next episode. Thank <laughs> you.